If you have a Bible, you can open to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. We'll look at verses, uh, start, start in verse 7 there and go through a bit of chapter 12 into uh, verse 7. And the text is also in the bulletin for you. Um, so, <clears throat> Ecclesiastes, we're getting really close to the end here. I think next week will be our last sermon on Ecclesiastes. Um, no, no cheering, no applause from Brian. <laughs> um, <clears throat> uh, yeah, so uh, Ecclesiastes, really a lot of times uh, through this series, we've heard him talk about uh, the brevity of life, but that's, that's what we're going to see again here this morning from a bit of a di- different angle. He emphasizes the fact that life is short. Life is short. You know that. You've heard that. Uh, life is short. How do you feel about that? When, um, when you think about the brevity of life, does it depress you? When you really think about it, is it something that's frightening to you? Does it scare you? Um, maybe more so as you get older? Or, or does the, uh, the idea, the fact, the reality of the brevity of life, does it inspire you to enjoy life while you can? I think uh, maybe if you've got enough optimism juice to ignore death for a little while, you might go for that uh, enjoy life while you can option. Um, but how genuine can that joy be since life's short? Do you have to ignore the reality of the brevity of life? Do you have to ignore the reality of death in order to, to be able to actually enjoy this short life? The reality is death hangs over your life like a shadow. It threatens to rob you of everything good in this life, everything joyful in this life. And not only death, but the idea of God's judgment. That can be a scary idea for a lot of us. Uh, can you really enjoy life? with the thought of facing God's judgment at the end of it. Ecclesiastes moves us to ask hard questions like these, and he suggests that uh, thinking about God and the brevity of life can actually lead us to rejoicing. We can actually rejoice when we consider how short life is and the fact that we face God's judgment at the end of it. We can actually rejoice, not ignoring those things, but, uh, but because of those things. The gospel of Jesus Christ confirms that for us. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So let me pray, then we'll read the scripture. Father in heaven, here we are. Here we are on earth, not yet in heaven, feeling uh, distant from you in a lot of ways because we walk by faith and not by sight. We need a heavenly word from you to change our earthly lives. You've spoken this word. We pray that you would help us to hear it and to believe it in Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. Ecclesiastes 11, starting in verse 7. Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vapor. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vapor. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened 
and the clouds return after the rain, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few and those who look through the windows are dimmed and the doors on the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low. They're afraid also of what is high and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along, and desire fails, because man is going to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The other day, Jerry mentioned how amazed she is. Uh, maybe you guys have conversations like this frequently, uh, just stunned at how the years have flown by, right? Um, uh, we remember what it was like to look forward, to look way into the future, to the year 2000, <laughs> the, the very futuristic time, right? Uh, and think it's impossibly future. We'll never even make it that far, right? The year 2000. Not only has that futuristic year come and gone, uh, but that's half a lifetime ago for us now. That's a long time ago that we hit the year 2000. The days are a blur. It's easy to lose track of the week, the days of the week, let alone, I mean, the, the month. I lose track of what month it is. <laughs> I lose track of what season it is, whether it's the school year or not anymore. I don't, I don't know. <clears throat> the kids are growing. We barely even remember what it was like before we had kids. It was just the two of us, right? Uh, but in some ways, it also seems like the blink of an eye, and now our oldest is going to high school this year. So, so everybody says, and it makes a lot of sense to us, you know, they grow up fast, time flies, right? So enjoy their childhood while you can. Doesn't there seem to be something sad about that? I think there is. I think when we say it that way, there's something sad about it. But, um, some bittersweet resignation to the passing of time. And there's something maybe even depressing if you think about it for too long, because you can't freeze time. Right? You can't really capture the moment. Even if you've got your cell phone there taking pictures and it's linked to the cloud so you've preserved every moment of your life to look back on at some point. Right? You can't freeze time and capture the moments of pure joy. We're losing our lives to the inexorable march of time. Um, tick, tock, tick. Do, 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 do. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. <laughs> right? I mean, the Steve Miller band. I mean, even that song is probably so old, it's just lost to time, really. None of, none of you know what I'm talking about. So <laughs> we're losing the present. We're losing the present as we accelerate into the future. It feels like we're going faster and faster, right? <clears throat> uh, blink and it's gone. Or as Ecclesiastes puts it so many times, life is a vapor. It's a breath. It's like a wisp of steam on a cold day that disappears too quickly even to observe properly and you're not even sure you really saw it at all that wisp of steam that wisp of vapor ecclesiastes uses this word vapor so many times to communicate uh, a lot of ideas the idea of brevity the insignificance of life the insubstantiality lack of substance um, the futility the vanity. That's how it's usually translated, the vanity of this earthly life. But here in this passage, 
He's holding two things together, which are very difficult for us to do. Uh, yes, he's saying life is short. Life is short, but also life is good and it's given to be enjoyed. And God means us to enjoy it. He means for us to enjoy it without living in denial about its brevity. So for Ecclesiastes, the prospect of death bringing an abrupt end to life, the idea that life is fleeting as a vapor, it does not negate the goodness of life and it doesn't have to rob us of the joy of life. So he says, light is sweet and it's pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. Rejoice. That word shows up a few times in our passage. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vapor. So light here, it's something of a metaphor for life, right? So darkness, on the other hand, is, uh, it represents the dwindling of life, the waning of life, the extinguishing, losing of life. So here, Ecclesiastes, he's addressing those who are blessed with long lives, many years. The elderly, that's who he's addressing. Not everyone lives many years, mind you. Many die in their youth before they've achieved many years, before they've had a long life. But if you do live many years, that's who he's talking to here in these verses, if you do age and grow old, be thankful, rejoice in all the years that you've been given, while at the same time remembering that the years after your life will far outnumber the years of your earthly life. Even if you live 100 years, long, long life on this planet, the years after your life will far outnumber the years of your earthly life. Even if you win the Guinness record for long life, it's still, it's just a vapor. And you're going to experience it that way. You're going to experience life. If you live 115 years, you'll experience life as just a a vapor. It went by too quickly. Still, long life is a blessing and you can rejoice in the time that you've been given. It's good. You can enjoy the goodness. You can enjoy the sweetness of the moment. The dark days to come, they don't negate the brightness of the days that you have. Death does not negate life. It makes it more precious. It makes it more beautiful. Death does not rob life of its joys. It can actually enhance the joys and not just in this bittersweet sort of way that's like, try to hold on to those precious moments before they're gone. Not, not in that kind of way. Ecclesiastes doesn't say... Consider the brevity of your life and mope around in a constant state of living nostalgia, like you're, like you're always anticipating the loss of everything good, like you're just watching the sand slip through your fingers right now. He doesn't say live that way. If you spend all your time thinking about how you're losing all your time, well, you're not really going to be enjoying the time that you have, not in the way Ecclesiastes is talking about it. Ecclesiastes does say, remember the brevity of life, but in the wonderful strangeness of God's revelation... This means something like, if you keep an eternal perspective on your earthly life, then and only then will you be able to truly rejoice in that life. To truly find joy in your brief life is if you keep an eternal perspective on it. So we'll come back to that. Let's continue a bit further in the passage, verses uh, 9 and 10. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body, for youth 
and the dawn of life are vapor. So now Ecclesiastes is addressing young people. It's easy for young people to enjoy their youth. Maybe not in the way Ecclesiastes is talking about, but it is easy for young people to enjoy their youth. Children play for a living. That's what they do. They play. They just have a good time. Unless they're playing with their brothers and sisters. <laughs> <It's miserable>. But <clears throat> if they're playing with their friends, they play for a living. They learn about the world. They soak it all up with wonder. They're happy as they grow. They're happy as they get bigger and stronger. Children delight in discovering new abilities. They delight as you become young adults to discover new opportunities in life that you never even imagined before. It's delightful. But usually, this optimism, this irrepressible optimism, comes because they don't spend too much time thinking about death. Right? That's not part of their experience. They can't conceive of getting old, they can't conceive of getting weak. They can't conceive of dying. They won't spend much time reflecting on that reality. The mere fact that they're alive and bursting with energy is enough reason for them to believe that they're probably invincible. They don't know the responsibilities of adults. They don't know the worries, the vexations, right, of adults. They don't know the aches and pains of growing old past the prime of life. And partially, Ecclesiastes is saying, hey, that's okay. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body for youth and the dawn of life are vapor. It's like, enjoy it while you can. There's a, there's a reality to that. It's okay not to just be worried about how much you're going to worry in the future. Or worried about how much pain you're going to suffer as you grow older, right? There's plenty of vexation and anxiety and worry and anguish and physical pain for later. Let tomorrow worry about itself. In fact, those things will probably be upon you before you even know it. And uh, because your youth will evaporate like the dew in the morning sun. But here's something for you. To, to consider. You should consider this while you're young. He's addressing young people. Consider that God will bring you into judgment. Consider that you're going to meet him face to face one day. <clears throat> Children and young people, this is for you. Actually think about this. Actually listen. I'm speaking mostly to my own children. We're not listening. <laughs> think about this. This is what Ecclesiastes wants. He addresses you. Don't avoid thinking about it. Don't be naive. Don't think that you're invincible, that you're just going to live forever. Be wise. Children, you can be wise. You can be wise. Even you little kids. You can be wise when you give attention to God. When you think about how everything you do matters to him. Everything you do. It matters to him. That thought doesn't have to be a scary thought. For some reason, it's intuitive. It's instinctive for this to be a scary thought. It doesn't have to be. It can be a happy thought. Because Ecclesiastes says, while you're doing that, rejoice. Rejoice in your youth. Be cheerful. Follow your heart, even. You want to play with the Legos? That's fine. Right? Follow your heart. You could do that while considering that God is the judge of your life. You can do that. Remember that God cares about your every thought. He cares about every moment in your life. And let that eternal perspective bring you true joy. Because Ecclesiastes, he's not saying here, uh, he's not saying go follow your heart wherever it leads you with complete disregard to God and to his judgment. Somehow, in the wonderful strangeness of God's revelation, remembering God's judgment, keeping that eternal perspective is the only thing that can free you to live in true joy. And you should learn that while you're young. 
Augustine captured this idea, I think, pretty well in a pretty short statement. He says, love God and do what you want. Love God and do what you want. Right? So as you remember God, as you're hungry and thirsty to hear from God, as you grow and you're longing to see him face to face in your relationship with him, becomes the deepest joy in your life, well then at that point doing what you want is going to align very well with considering God, remembering him and his ways, and thinking about his judgments. So maybe you've seen um, the bumper sticker uh, that says, Life is short, play hard. And maybe you've seen the Christian response counter bumper sticker, right? Life is short, pray hard. Play hard, pray hard. Which one is it? Ecclesiastes is saying those two aren't mutually exclusive. They're not mutually. You can have both of those. Just don't just remember how short your life is. Don't just remember death and judgment as abstract ideas, because if you do that, if you think about just death and judgment as abstract ideas, not part of your relationship with God, then they'll ruin your connection to this life. Remember that life is short and remember God. Remember God. Consider the brevity of life, consider death, consider judgment in light of who God is, who he's revealed himself to be. It says in verse uh, 1 of chapter 12, Remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. So now's the time for that. Maybe you've heard this advice before. Uh, When someone is in the midst of suffering, that's not the time to fix their theology, to get them to think differently about who God is and how he might be working in times of suffering, right? When they're in the middle of suffering, it may not be the best time. You you help people prepare, right? You you help them most by giving them good theology about suffering, preparing them before they enter into times of suffering so that they have that resource when they're there. Maybe you've heard that advice. I think that's something like what Ecclesiastes is saying here. Start thinking about God as early as you can. It's, it's never too soon. Learn from him. Listen to what he says about himself. Live in a relationship with him long before you start edging toward death more noticeably. Long before you go and meet him face to face. Long before life becomes unpleasant because of the worries and the aches and pains. Basically, start enjoying life with God. Start enjoying life with God Right now, today, however old you are, it's the only way you can truly enjoy the life that he's given you. Stop ignoring him. Stop avoiding him. Stop living in denial about facing his judgment. Stop pretending that you're going to be okay if you never think about him. Stop forgetting and procrastinating and putting it off till later. Well, I'll start thinking about, I'll consider him later. Maybe you think, well, now is the time for me to live carefree and be self-indulgent, and later when I'm older... And life is boring like it is for older people, then then I'll maybe I'll turn to God, but no, it's not like that. You've heard it said in the movies when someone's life is about to be brought to an end, say your prayers, prepare to meet your maker. Ecclesiastes says, prepare to meet your maker now, at the beginning of your life. Why wouldn't you do that? That's what's going to make for a worthwhile, meaningful, enjoyable life. So he spends a lot of time here in this passage saying it with this vivid poetic imagery. You know, remember your creator in the days of your youth before the sun and the light and everything is darkened and the clouds return after the rain, before the gloomy winter storms of life that just won't stop. There's no break in the clouds. 
<clears throat> Remember your creator before your body, which is this house, this picture here, <clears throat> the house of your soul, uh, the tent, as Tim Sauerwein read from Paul's letter to the Corinthians. Before the house of your soul starts to crumble with age, before, verse 3, the days when the, the keepers of the house, when the arms start trembling, and the strong men, the legs, are bent, and the grinders, which are your teeth, they cease because they're few. You just don't have many left, and you can't really chew your food well anymore. <clears throat> Before those who look through the windows, the eyes are dimmed, and the doors on the street are shut, the ears you can't hear very well. <clears throat> Remember your creator before the sound of the grinding is low. That's a picture probably of being removed from uh, the, the daily grind, actually. Uh, the, removed from daily life. Things are happening out there in the real world. I'm just not part of it anymore because I'm stuck inside. Before then, before one rises up at the sound of a bird, you sleep that badly. And all the daughters of song, probably your voice, <clears throat> they're brought low. You know, you used to be able to sing, and now it's a strain even to speak regularly. Before, they're afraid <clears throat> of what is high, afraid of falling. And terrors are in the way. They're afraid of just walking and being jostled and knocked over by kids running through the hallway or something. You know? Before, the almond tree blossoms. That's a picture of the hair turning white. <clears throat> And the grasshopper drags itself along this slow, stiff, tired walk when the grasshopper should have this boundless energy leaping. Before desire fails, <clears throat> uh, literally that's before the caperberry fails, which the caperberry, I think, uh, was used sort of to stimulate appetite and uh, desire, aphrodisiac type stuff. Right? Before that fails, remember your creator before you go to your eternal home. Before your death is mourned, before the beautiful vessel of your life is broken and the dust returned to the earth as it was and the spirit returns to God who gave it, now is the time. Before all that happens. To remember your creator. That's not meant as a threat. It's not meant to come across like you better deal with God now before it's too late. There may be some element of truth to that, but that's not how it's being communicated. It's meant <clears throat> to bring you into the joy of life with God as soon as possible. There is joy in life with God, and you can have it now. People who turn to Christ later in life always wish they'd done so earlier. Always. And not because of their guilt. Oh, probably should have done better later, uh, earlier in life. <clears throat> but it's because of the freedom of knowing Jesus and the joy of living with God. And that's what Ecclesiastes is advocating here. He said it repeatedly, rejoice. Rejoice in your many years. Rejoice in your youth. And the only way to truly rejoice in the time that you have is to receive that time as a gift from your creator. Right? God is your creator. He's not just the creator. He's your creator, this passage says. He didn't just make all things. He made you. He made you because he loves. Because he's the God of love. Because he's Father, Son, and Spirit. The triune God whose very being is love. He made you because he loves your parents and your grandparents. He made you because he loves your brothers and your sisters. He made you. He made you because he loves you. He made you because he loves your spouse and your children and your grandchildren. He loves. And so he made you. 
He brought you into the world because he's overflowing with joyful love. And the only way to enjoy the short life for which you were made in this world is to enter into his joyful love. It's to enter into it. We're sinners who've rejected that reality. We've resisted our created purpose. We've refused his joyful love. And so the only way for our creator to restore us is for him to make us a new creation. And that's what he's done in Jesus. Jesus himself was the firstborn. He's the new creation, right? He's, He's conceived by the Holy Spirit. He's a new creation. God's creative power was at work in the virgin's womb. In his humanity, in Jesus' humanity, he's a new creation. He's the first of, he's the beginning of this new world. His life with God, his life given for God, his life returned to God, his life raised to God's own glory, that's the foundation for the new creation. Jesus remembered his creator. He remembered his father in his youth. Remember that time when his family lost track of him because he was... uh, Saying in the temple about his father's business, he remembered his creator, his father, and his youth. He always remembered his father. Everything he did was in response to his father's gift of life. Everything he did was out of love for his father and delight in his father. For Jesus to rejoice in the time that God had given him on earth, it means rejoicing in the gift of relationship with his father. It means enjoying that relationship. And for Jesus, rejoicing in the time that God has given him, It means rejoicing forever. Rejoicing forever in his eternal home. That joy never ends for Jesus. Because even though, uh, yes, this life is short and Jesus knows that better than most because his earthly life was only 33 years or so. Even though this life is short, the years after this life will far outnumber the years of this earthly life in our eternal home. Sorry, the allergies there. As God lives forever, and Jesus lives forever in God's presence, so also we will live with him in God's presence forever in our eternal home. This life under the sun, it's vapor. But then the spirit returns to God who gave it. And one day, God will even raise our bodies from the dust to live in the new creation with him. And if anyone is in Christ, that means if you've put your faith in Christ, you've looked to him for salvation, and you've trusted him with your soul and with your judgment. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. How can you rejoice in a brief life? Only as you enjoy the life you've been given in Christ as the gift of God. It's a life to be lived with your creator. How can you rejoice knowing that your body is going to fall apart and return to the dust, knowing that death is on the horizon? Again, from our uh, New Testament reading, 2 Corinthians 5, We know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So we're always of good courage. We're always of good courage. How can you rejoice knowing that you'll face God in the end? How can you rejoice uh, knowing that he'll bring you into judgment for all that you've done in this life? You, You do that by remembering who he is. Remember that he's your creator because he's the God of love. Remember that he created you not to torment you with the brevity of life. That's not why he did it. Not not to torment you with the futility of a short life. He created you because he loves you. Remember that he has given you your life as a gift. Remember that even though you forget him often, he never forgets you. 
calls you to remember him. He always remembers you. He always keeps you in his heart and in his mind. He always remembers you and has compassion on you. Go read Psalm 103. It's a beautiful psalm about that. Remember that God is the creator of the new creation, not just the old that's passing away, but the new in Christ. The God who sent Jesus into the world to endure the judgment that we deserve for our sins as he died on the cross, that, that's the God that you should remember. Remember that he has made you a new creation in Christ, not because he wants you to be miserable in his short life, but because he wants you to live your life with him in his love, in his joy. Remember that your Savior, your Redeemer, the one who laid down his life for you, the one who has always wanted what's best for you, he was willing to lay down his life for you, and he's now your judge. That one, that one's your judge. Remember him. Remember that he will judge with right judgment, that he can be trusted to judge your life better than you can, because he's good. Remember your creator and rejoice in your life with him now and forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, you have given us the gift of our very lives, our short time in this world. And there are many ways for us to waste this precious gift. But the only way to make the true and best use of it is to receive it from you as a gift, to enjoy it in our relationship with you. We thank you that in spite of our misuse of our lives in our sin, no matter that we're simply undeserving dust, really, you still want to be in relationship with us. You've not left us alone. You've given us more and more. You've given us your very self. You've given everything in the gift of your Son. Help us to see our lives in light of your amazing grace. Help us to live in your love and your joy. Help us to glorify you in the time that you have given us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.